warning. This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that are of a sexual nature. It should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. The facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My description of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And y'all, stay tuned at the end of the show today for a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk about, uh, including Miss Barbara Blunt's case and the new podcast Toby Tom Play and I are going to be doing Don't Call It a Cold Case, the crew bash and, and a raffle we have, we're going to announce, just a whole bunch of other stuff. So stay, stay tuned, and we'll get to it at the end of the show. So today I am going to do the exact opposite of what I had been planning on doing, and I was going to start a new series today on a really great case, but as I guess the Life often happens. I've been throwing a curveball, if you will, mentally. And yesterday, I went to Rapids Parish for David Anthony Burns' bond reduction and preliminary exam hearing. And y'all, I just got to tell this story, okay? And I'm just going to tell you what happened yesterday. And I'm not trying to throw shade. Obviously, it's not these people's fault. Everybody was just, you know what? No, just let me tell the story. All right, and I'm gonna name this episode um, "Courtroom." All right, and I think that at the end of it, you'll see, and it's just truly why I believe shit does just the wheels of justice turn so slowly. In America, it's just a fucking clusterfuck, and I, you know, I just have to tell it. I mean, I came home last night. Uh, it's about a three-hour drive up there every time I go uh, for court, or you know, for, to Alexander from where I'm at, and then a three-hour ride back. And I got in last night. I was cooking Cindy some big yellow squash out of the garden, y'all. I should have took a picture of that and posted it. And those of you who followed the Monster series will appreciate that, but. And I was telling her what happened yesterday, and she was like, holy shit. Uh, and I can't believe that. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I've seen this a thousand times, but uh, maybe I need to tell the lifers about it so y'all can get an idea what goes on in a courtroom on a day-to-day basis, okay? So just I'm going to skip around a lot. You know I'm rolling unscripted. Here we go. So we get to court. The court's supposed to start at 9 o'clock in I get there a little early, uh, meet with Miss Stephanie and her husband and another lifer. Anyway, long story short, we go in a courtroom, sitting on the front row, um, and ask, let me describe the courtroom for you. It's like walking to church, right? You got a bunch of pews, if you will. That's what I call them, or benches on both sides, and the aisle down in the middle, and we sat on the front row on the left-hand side. Directly in front of us, there's a little half wall which separates us from where the attorneys sit, like the uh, defense attorneys, the public defenders or whatever would have sat right with their client, the bad guys, right in front of us. And then to the right-hand side of that area is where the prosecution sits, okay? And and everything now is a little bit different than when I was in because all the plexiglass and shit. But prosecutors and stuff, you know, sit over to your right, and then you go in front of that in the middle, and that's where the court reporter is, and um, maybe their assistant, what have you, and right in front of that is the raised bench where the judge comes in and, and sits, and then if you're looking to the right of the judge, that's where the jury box is, not jury box, the uh, the witness test, the stand. I mean, so you take your stand, you literally take the stand there, right? So that's where they, the, the person that's testifying sits. 
And to the right side of that on the room, if it was a jury trial, that would be the jury box. But on the day yesterday, it was for uh, preliminary exams and motions to suppress and stuff like that. And um, so that jury box is what exactly what we used to do back in the day. It's filled with all of the cops who have been subpoenaed to come testify in these hearings that are going to happen before the judge. And so the cops would always get there and would sit, you know, on that side. And to the extreme left-hand side in this courtroom, you had the uh, the bailiff who was handling the roll call and all that, and I guess maybe his assistant, the sheriff's deputies, and then they had a couple prisoners sitting on the bench behind them. All right, so we're sitting there. We're waiting on the court to come. Now, we're there. It, as soon as they unlock the door at 9 o'clock, they give the rules, all cell phones off. You know, if you get called on your cell phone or it goes off, the, interrupts court, the judge is going to take it from you, blah, 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 whatever. They don't even, they don't even allow cell phones in the courtroom in Livingston. But anyway, we're waiting. And so I'm, I'm sitting back and, and talking a little bit with Ms. Stephanie and KLB's reporter, uh, Ms. Brooke, came in and sat on, on the front row. Time's drifting by. You know, attorneys are coming in. They're saying hi to each other, public defenders, and the— the the bailiffs talking to the different people, just you know, general going ons before court gets in the session. Well, I'm I'm watching the cops in the jury box, and they're from all different agencies, y'all. And I'm not gonna say any agency names because I'm not throwing shade, but this this shit just needs to be told. So they're sitting up there, and I mean, it's it's I don't know, probably seven or eight of them, uh, uh, different agencies. I noticed that two of them were from an agency, the, the same agency. One was a female and was, one was a pretty big stout boy uh, male, and they had on the same uniform. It'll come into play in a minute. So, but we're, I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I'm hoping that they're going to bring David Anthony Burns in first and, and, and get us out of the courtroom, right? Because it was, he's scheduled for a preliminary exam. That shit shouldn't have even been scheduled um, because at least not for Courtney's murder, because he was indicted by a jury of his peers in a grand jury, a, a true bill indictment. You don't have to have a preliminary exam. The jury already voted that there's more than enough probable cause to make the arrest, right? So, I, But I think the preliminary exam for him might have been on the obscenity charge that he got arrested for since he's been locked up. Now, y'all, obscenity in Louisiana, if I didn't mention before, I'll go ahead and tell you what it is now. Basically, uh, uh, you have to expose, your, you know, your genitals or your penis, whatever, in, in an aroused state and in, in the direction of someone else. Kind of the gray area, maybe like you're masturbating on, on someone, uh, not on them without physically touching them, but in their direction, something like that. And I don't know what the specifics are on, on Burns' charge, but I know what obscenity is, right? So I, the, I know what the Louisiana Revised Statute, the law says about it. So if there was going to be a preliminary exam, it was going to be on that. Uh, the motion to reduce bond, that's standard. Happens in every single case I've ever worked in. And, and you know, from murders down to thefts or dope cases, whatever. Burns has a, uh, a uh, public defender, LaCour is his name. But I also told him, Stephanie, I said, you watch, they, I bet you they appoint him another attorney today because they're not going to do a no attorney is going to work a second degree murder case by himself you know he's he's going to ask the court to appoint him some assistance and that that did come true but anyway so the one thing i'm noticing though the cops are just hanging out in the jury box and now back in my day and this came from chief kearney foster y'all let me tell you something the man knew his law enforcement, every aspect of it. And he was a stickler about court. And then he said, hey, any asshole could go out there and arrest somebody on a probable cause. He said, where the, where the true cop shines is in the courtroom. And look, he taught me. And I mean, I watched him at the, the, in a murder trial. And I watched him testify. And I, you've heard me talk about it in episodes before. I've gleaned things like, you know, making an eye contact with the jury when you're answering questions to, you know, uh, pointing at the defendant. Just all, I just learned so much from him. But I'm going to tell you something. A lot of cops, and he would get so pissed, they, especially uniform guys, 
They would make arrests, and they get these subpoenas to show up in court, and in fact, they wouldn't show up. And, and he would absolutely tear your ass up if you didn't show up for court. Secondly, you can't just show up for court. Like, and I used to arrest so many people when I was in uniform patrol. I promise you I was in court four days a week on motions to suppress and preliminary exams, et cetera. But, well, I arrested so many people. Well, I may remember the base facts of the case. I'm not going to remember every single name and everything. But what I would do when I would get to court, and that's how I made my money, too. Back then, um, for every subpoena I showed up for, we, I got 25 bucks for up to three a day. So $75 a day. It's not a lot, but it was something, right? Especially when you worked all night before and you get off and and you got to wait, you know, get off at six in the morning. You got to wait three hours for court to start, really, longer and uh, for it to get going by the time the judge seats and all that. And they call a roll and all this good stuff. But anyway, I would always go up and get my subpoenas stamped. First of all, proving I was in court so Mr. Kearney couldn't tear my ass off. And secondly, I would turn around and then hand those to the district attorney and say, give me my files. And they would go through this. The DA's assistant would go through and give me my files. And I would go sit in that jury box and I would read each one of my cases. I reread my report and I prepared to take the stand. Well, guess what? You're going to take the stand, and they're going to question the shit out of you. It's a free shot for the defense attorney to get you to screw up and say whether you didn't Mirandize them or, you know, it was a bad traffic stop or whatever it may be. Whatever the case may be, I was going to be prepared before I got on the stand. Nobody's going to make me look like a jackass, okay? Plus, I'm, t- and I'm just telling you a card hold fact of truth. I never lost uh, never lost a preliminary exam. Uh, 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 I never had a motion to suppress an arrest thrown out or anything like that because I I didn't build shit, right? I mean, you know, if, if, if I'm going to take your freedom and I'm going to lock your ass up, especially on a serious charge, you better believe I'm going I'm to do it correctly because the, the more serious the charge, the harder they're going to fight, right? So I didn't see that, okay? The assistant DA came in, and he's talking to some other attorneys, and they're just doing, you know, whatever. The cops are talking amongst themselves. I'm thinking, I wonder where, where the files are. Well, why aren't they reading their reports and stuff? Okay, well, then I don't really care, right? I, you know, but I'm, I'm just, I just noticing from my experience. And, and anyway, so <laughs> judge comes in, uh, all rise and, you know, honorable such and such, da 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 da, da. And this, she's a female judge, and she came in, and the, you know, I, I thought it was kind of cool. She did a, a um, the whole courtroom had naturally you had to stand, and then she did a, a pledge of allegiance to the flag. Right? Okay, cool. I'm an American. I'm proud of it. That's not something that I've um, seen in a courtroom, maybe more than once or twice in, in my years. But, and I don't know who this judge is. I've never been in front of her before. And then you know, they get done with that and have everybody be seated, and then she looks over in the jury box and sees all the cops. And she said, how many of y'all had to work last night? And several of them raised their hand. And she said, well, let's see what we can do to get them out of here. Okay, cool. More points for me for the judge, right? Because, I mean, you know, some judges just didn't care. I mean, they, they would just let go on. They didn't care if you had to work again that night and you worked all night the night before. But this lady, you know, was wanted to get these officers out of there in case they needed to get some rest, all right? So with that, she turns to the DA. They called the roll and stuff, and some people were in the wrong courtroom, and some assholes didn't show up and, and stuff like that. But she says, all right, you know, Mr. DA, let's start with one of the, you know, some of these officers. And he said, all right, so I'm going to have a preliminary exam of their, on such and such, whatever the bad guy's name is. And look, they bring this bad guy in, or alleged bad guy, and he's probably like six foot five. Uh, he he's not full of prison muscle or anything, but he's got the orange jumpsuit on with the white sleeves hanging out underneath. But he uh, he's got this big hairdo, a fro that goes up, but his hat like blonde highlights and stuff. And a big tall guy. I mean, you you know, shit, you wouldn't want to fight this guy. I can promise you that. And it, I, I I mean, but anyway, they bring him in and handcuffs shackle and they sit him down and. This little lady public defender stands up and says, Your Honor, I'm going to represent him for the first time today. 
I've not met him before, but you know, he needs an attorney for this hearing. She's a public defender gal. And um, the judge was like, okay, cool. So let, let's get started. So the prosecutor calls the first witness to the stand. All right, now here's the charge. The charge is indecent behavior with a juvenile against this gentleman. And he's right in front of us. Indecent behavior with a juvenile. And, I mean, that's a pretty serious uh, sexual charge, right? So it's inappropriate touching and, and stuff like that. You know, shit you shouldn't be doing or you don't want anybody doing with your kids, right? So call the the sergeant up. She's a female. They call her up to the stand, and the DA starts uh, and says, you know, this is typical, y'all. You know, what's, what's your name uh, and rank? She says it, who you work for. She says it. And on such and such day, uh, did you have happen to arrest Mr. whatever his name? Yes, I did. Okay. And uh, you arrested him for indecent behavior. Yes, I did. And can can you tell me what, what happened on that day? And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, shit, here we go. And, and the I leaned over to Stephanie. I said, I said she didn't read a report, Stephanie. I watched this. It's going to be a shit show. And he said, well, I mean, you know, why did you arrest him for indecent behavior? And she was like, well, I mean, I arrested him for it. And she said, uh, I I interviewed the kid, and the kid said it happened, so I arrested him for it. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. The defense attorney, the um, public defender, his head perked up when she said that. I'm like, that's rule fucking number one they teach you that you should have been trained, especially in uniform patrol. You respond to any kind of child sex accusation call. You never interview the kid, period. In the state of Louisiana, that's why we have Child Advocacy Center interviews or CASA. Now, if the kid makes an excited utterance or something, and you can you know you can walk away from whatever that that's different, or if it's a dying decoration or something like that. But she said she interviewed the kid. You don't do it. I'm like, oh my god, and this is and, and this is a sergeant, this is a supervisor. Uh, uh, and, and the DA says, well, you know, the kid, uh, the DA said the juvenile. He said, I don't want you. to say the juvenile's name, just use the juvenile's initials. But that's standard, y'all. In any any court proceeding, you don't use, you don't say the juvenile's name out, out, out loud for obvious reasons, right? But and when he says that to her, she's like, well, I don't know what the kid's name is. I'm like, oh, my God. And and so you got this guy over here under arrest for indecent behavior, and you're saying on top of that that you interview the child, which – is the major no-no. You don't even know what the kid's name is, right? I mean, you don't even know what the initials are. Well, and he was like, well, I mean, what do you mean you don't know? She's like, well, I don't know. Um, and, and he was like, okay. And, and he said, if I show you your report, would you remember? And I'm thinking uh, somebody should have read their fucking report before they got on the stand in the DA. It's your fault too, jackass, because you should have made sure they were prepared to do this. And in... She said, yes, yeah. so uh, he's, your honor may I approach. He gets the file. He walks up there. She spends a couple minutes flipping, flipping through the pages. And then he comes back, and, and, he, and he asks, and he said, okay, on such such a date, the, you know, the, juvenile, the juvenile told you what? And she said, the juvenile told me that he, being the defendant, touched me on, my, uh, on her buttocks and her breast on top of her clothes. And he said, okay, how did the juvenile come to be in that residence? She's like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh. He said, whose residence was it? He said, well, she said, I don't know whose residence it was. And he's like, okay, who called it in? And I mean, should she just write a report? Who called it in? And, and she was like, well, I, I talked to the juvenile's uh, mama and, and her aunt, and they told me the same thing. And I was like, oh, this defense attorney is going to tear this lady up. And basically, the prosecutor left her alone and tendered her over to the public defender. Public defender gets up and says, you know, sergeant so-and-so, you interviewed the victim or alleged victim? And she said, yeah, I did. And she said, okay. And what did she tell you? And she said, I don't really remember, uh, you know, word for it. I'm thinking, you just read your fucking report. And and she said, oh, you don't remember. She said, okay. 
So she said, um, did you make a audio recording of this interview with the child? And I'm thinking, oh, here we go, right? I mean, that's what CACs are set up for, for, for a non-biased non party to collect evidence from juveniles if something happened. And it's all done on audio and video and all like that until so, so you go to court. And it's also less traumatizing for the child. And she's like, I don't have any audio recordings. And he said, okay, did you get a written statement? Or she said, okay, did you get a written statement? She said, I don't have any written statements. And she said, well, you arrested my client based off of the juvenile statement. And she said, yeah, I did. And she said, and you interviewed the alleged victim's mama and, and her Aunt, and she said, yeah. And she said, okay, where's your audio recordings of that? And she said, I don't have any audio recordings of that. Where's your video recordings of that? I don't have any video recordings of that. Where's your written statements from them? She said, I didn't get any written statements. I'm thinking, oh, God, this dude's going to walk on probable cause on indecent behavior because she just jacked it up. Not her fault, y'all. Somebody didn't train her, obviously, and um, train her correctly. And so they, should, they went back and forth on that. And I mean, the, the 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 public defender really overdid it to the point where the prosecutor objected, and the judge, you know, kind of made it shut it down. So, that this stick with me because this is really important, and I'm just scratching the tip of the surface. So the prosecutor said, you know, and she tenders it back to the prosecutor, and the prosecutor says, did. Did the juvenile, and he's not even trying to use initials, did the juvenile t tell you that the bad guy touched her on the buttocks? She said, yes. Did he tell you he touched her on the brush? Yes. Okay. No further questions, Your Honor. They let her down. The public defender moves to have the probable cause, this preliminary exam, y'all, have, have the arrest thrown out. She said she, said she didn't. You know, she doesn't have any. Pro oh, no, when she was on the stand, I forgot. She said she asked uh, she, the public defender was getting into her, in, into her pretty good. And she said, "Okay, so you know what? You know what do you mean?" And and she said, "Well, I mean, I, I turned it over to the detectives." And she said, "Okay, well, who's the detective that came out on the case?" She said, "Oh, no detective came out." So, well, who's the detective that handled the case? She said, "I don't know." And this is a really small department, y'all. I'm sure they only have one or two detectives. And then she said, "Well, do you know if a child advocacy center interview was done?" And she was like, "I don't know." And I'm like, oh, God. So anyway, they get off the stand. She moves to have it thrown out. And I'm, and I'm thinking the judge is probably going to give it to her, right? But the he's also there for a bond reduction hearing. And the uh, he's going to testify on his own behalf in the bond reduction hearing. The judge says, before I make my ruling, let's do the bond reduction hearing. Before they got to that, before they got to that, I mean, you think they're going to the judge says, let's do the bond reduction here, or, or let's get it. I'm going to take that up next. And then the DA says, well, Your Honor, I got more charges on this guy. And she said, what do you mean you got more charges? I thought this were do, we were doing a preliminary exam on indecent behavior. He said, yeah, but I, I added more charges. And she was like, okay, do you have somebody here to testify about that? And she said, yeah. And he, he pointed to the officer. I told you all that was kind of a big boy uh, uh, that was sitting in, in a jury box. And she was like, okay, well, let's hear the, these charges. So he gets a stand. He takes uh, uh, he takes the stand. He gives his name, who he works for, and the DA says, oh, "On such such date, did you come in contact with the defendant?" Yes, I did. Tell him what happened. Well, um, went to arrest him. Went to clear the house that he was in. Uh, uh, cleared it. He wasn't downstairs. I went to search the attic. I'm in the attic. And it's dark, and I see him hide behind the air conditioner, and he comes out, and he charges me, and he attacks me, and he took my took my weapon from me. And he said, then we got into a fight, and then he said, and I'm paraphrasing all this together, y'all. He said, my sergeant, being the female that was just on the stand, and another officer who's not even in the courtroom came into the attic when they heard the fight, he said the uh, other officer who's not there that took out his taser, tased this guy. And remember, I told you, the defendant is a pretty big boy. I mean, he it, the cop wasn't small, but this dude was big. So says the cop, the, the, the missing cop who's not there, tases him. And the bad guy now takes this guy's taser from him and tases him back. 
tases the cop back, all right? So I'm like, holy shit. And, and he said, well, how long did y'all fight him for? And, and he said, I don't know, 15 minutes or maybe 30 minutes or whatever. Okay, y'all, I've been in these kind of life and death fist fights in, it probably was like three minutes altogether, but it seems like 14 hours when you're in it and fighting for your life. Anyway, so he, get, he gets done with him. And I already know. I told Stephen, I said, watch this. Here we go. So the charges are two counts disarming police officers. One is for taking his his weapon. Two for taking the other, the missing cop's taser. And two counts of resistance or three counts of resistance arrest by force by fighting the cops. And, and which is a pretty serious charges. The, uh, but the taking the cop's weapon is a really serious charge. And child endangerment, I think, and domestic violence, okay? So they didn't even talk about the rest of the charge yet. But the, the, the defense attorney gets up and starts in on, you know, so uh, on this date, you, you just found him in an attic? And how did you know to get there? And so the cop has to back up and say, well, we responded to a residence first on a domestic violence call. And he said, I interviewed whatever her name was. Uh, uh, which is his girlfriend, and he said that she had she had some marks on her. Now look, it's, this guy, somebody needs to give him a few pointers on how to testify because he's he first takes the stand. As soon as the, the district attorney, who's non-threatening to him, starts asking questions, he starts yawning in the middle of statements. Not because he's tired, y'all. That's that's if you've done hundreds of thousands of hours of interview interrogation like I have, that's a sign of nervousness. Okay, and, I, and we started yelling, I'm like, "Oh God!" And then the immediately, and he did like like three or four times through his um, testimony to the prosecution. And then when she gets up, the public defender, he immediately crosses his arms, which is a defensive manner. I, that I mean, that's you look at every textbook interview thing there is. I mean, he crosses his arm and goes on the defensive, right? Argument is which you don't have to be. That you really want to throw a defense attorney off, you'd be just as chill and you're chill with the prosecutor and you're chill with them. You know why? Because you read your shit, you know it's a good case, and you know they got their ass, right? And this is a preliminary exam. You know, it's no big deal. You already made the rest and you're just telling your story. But this guy obviously had not been on the stand a lot. And I, I think he said he'd been on the job two years. Anyway, so she starts, she says, well, you just you, you just took her word for it that that he, he committed battery on her? And he said, yeah. And, and he said, there should be some pictures in the file. She said, well, you said he hit you in the face? He said, yeah, I think there's a picture of that in the file. And so... So, so, so you just go over to this other. Oh, she said, "Do you have a written statement from the victim?" No. Do you have a audio statement from the victim about him beating up, beating her up in front of the kids, y'all? That's where, where the child endangerment came in. He said, "No." He said, "Do you have any statements from the kids?" And she knew she shouldn't ask that, or she should have known. Where the kids said they witnessed their mama getting beat up by my client. No. And she said, setting them up. So she said, okay, but you just, I mean, could she have been lying? I mean, what if she didn't like him? She just made it up. And he's like, well, I mean, uh, in the, he's red and he's got his arms crossed. He's shooting. I don't, you know, I don't know. I went over there to arrest him. And uh, she said, okay, well, you get to the house, you don't see him, but you go in anyway. He said, yeah. And I went in and cleared the house. And, and when I got in the attic, she said, okay, let's talk about that. You said you were in the attic and it's dark. She said, you had your, Pistol out in front of you? And he said, yeah. He said, so my client comes at you. He said, yes, he charged me. And you testified that he grabbed your weapon. And he said, yes, that's right. She said, no, y'all, this is, this, is, this is where it gets stupid on the defense side, right? She said, he grabs your weapon and it's dark and you're holding on to your weapon. And, and who's to say that you didn't just let go of your weapon and he let go of it at the same time. He was like, what? And she said, yeah, I mean, that's possible, right? I mean, he, my client didn't disarm you. He just happened to touch your weapon and maybe you, you just let it fall to the ground and he let it fall to the ground. That's not a disarmament. That's just you dropping your weapon. I'm like, oh, my God, you're so fucking stupid. And the, you know, to even 
try that approach. And he was like, uh, no. He came up and he, and he took my weapon from me. And I'm thinking, well, you should have fucking killed his ass, first of all. You're not going to take my fucking weapon in, in, in an attic in the middle of the night. You come up, you punch me in my face, and I've got my weapon out, and I'm giving you loud verbal commands, and you take my fucking weapon from me? That shit ain't never going to happen, Jack. I'd have fucking fooled you so full of lead and holes. You, I didn't... Magazine holds 15, and you have one in the chamber. So if I had 16 rounds, if they had asked me why I didn't shoot you 17 times or, or why I didn't shoot you more, I would say because I ran out of bullets, right? You touch my weapon, you're getting fucking shot. Okay, you take my weapon from me, the only reason you go take it from me is to fucking kill me. And, and this dude didn't shoot him. Kind of tells me, baby, that pussy. Uh, I don't know where your training's at, Jack, but you're never going to take my fucking weapon, period, uh, without getting shot. Without me firing a weapon, you might get it, but I'm going I'm to squeeze off some rounds. Somebody's going to get fucking shot. But he gets disarmed. Where the weapon goes, nobody knows or nobody said. But at some point, the sergeant and the non-existent officer, the one that's not there, come up, and she said, well, and he tased my client. Yeah, he tased We followed him. And she said, you followed him for how long? Uh, 15 or 30 minutes. And, and then you say he took that officer's, Taser and tased him back. Yes, he did. I'm thinking, how in the fuck? It just doesn't, the dog doesn't hunt, y'all. I mean, it just, I mean, why didn't you read your shit and talk amongst yourself before you went into court and make sure, you know, you had your fucking story straight or something? The, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying get up there and lie, but fuck, you should have taken a moment to read your shit. I mean, she's just muddling up the water and then she's a young, a public defender, and she's just muddling up to the point where she looks so fucking stupid. Uh, uh, trying to say the guy just magically, you know, he dropped his weapon, and, and just you know, that's what defense attorneys do anyway. What, whatever, good, bad, or indifferent. So, I'll just fast forward. She gets done with him finally after the DA has to check a couple times because she was really getting off into it, but she didn't realize how stupid she was making herself look, and. Okay, so to get done, the uh, judge says, now we're, we're moving to the bond reduction. Judge says, how much is the bond for, oh, he, uh, the DA charged him with sexual battery also. So sexual battery, y'all. And I was like, oh, he ain't getting that shit. I told, I told Stephanie, I said, sexual battery ain't going to happen, but I'll get, get to that in a minute. So the charges are now indecent behavior with a juvenile, sexual battery, Two counts of disarming a police officer. I think three counts of resisting with violence, uh, child endangerment and domestic violence, and whatever else. But the child endangerment and domestic violence were from the initial call that these officers responded to where uh, the mom says that the defendant allegedly beat her up in front of the kids. That's the child endangerment part. So in my mind, they hadn't proved a fucking thing except a fight happened in the attic. All right. But anyway, so I'm sitting there waiting. And the judge says, well, what was the bond and, uh, for it? And they couldn't find the bond. She said, Mr. District Attorney was like, well, I mean, I don't know, Your Honor. Uh, he starts flipping the papers and she asks the public defender. And she's like, I don't know. Well, meanwhile, bad guy raises his hands. This motherfucker, I guarantee you, he knows how much his bond is. He raises a hand that he'd never met this public defender before. She turned him, she went, put her hand on the hips, and she smacked the lips and did her finger like she's talking to a two-year-old. She said, mm, you be quiet, and, and turned her back on him, right? I'm like, oh, my God. I said, I'm thinking, this dude knows. Y'all can't find the fucking bonds. He knows how much his fucking bond is. Ask him. And so they couldn't find it. The fucking district attorney couldn't find out how much he was in bond in jail on bond for. The public defender doesn't know how much he's in bond for. In the end, she goes back to him and she says, um, uh, how much was your bond? And he said, it's 25000 on indecent behavior. She said, Your Honor, it's 25000 on indecent behavior. So they start with, <laughs> it was a shit show, man. And, I mean, how the fuck do you ask somebody in court and you don't even know what their bond is? On either side, as as their attorney or as the prosecution, I'm giving, I'm spreading equal shit here, y'all. Anyway, at some at some point, the district attorney for Rapids Parish came in and during all this shit and was sitting in, uh, and I, I mean, I was embarrassed for him, uh, and and I mean, it was it was just a shit show. So they started on that twenty five thousand dollar buy, and and 
<laughs> and then she said, okay, well, what's the bond on the sexual battery? And they said 50000 whatever way. Anyway, they go through the bonds, and the judge said, well, I'm going I'm to make my rulings now. She said, you know, um, I find there's, there's probable cause, not very much, but there is definitely probable cause based off the sergeant's testimony that she heard the child say that he touched her inappropriately. She said, now, this certainly isn't beyond a reasonable doubt, but there is probable cause for that. So she, probable cause, uh, emotions, you know, for that shit to be thrown out tonight. She said sexual batter. She said, let me look it up. And I leaned to Stephanie and I said, it's 1442 or 43, something like that. Louisiana Vice had you. I said, watch this. I said, they no way they're getting a sexual battery because that means you. they had to get up there and testify. And you had to actually touch someone with an instrument or your hands or your penis wear on the anus or the vagina or the breast, right, under their clothes. They didn't testify to that. And sure enough, Judge got the book out and she read just what I just told you. And she said, uh, nobody testified that this child's vagina or, or breast were touched on the bare skin. That's thrown out. Boom. So, I mean, y'all, and, and, uh, and Stephanie's like, oh, my God. And I said, uh, I said you see, this is how these fucking pedophiles and shit get to walk and, and people beat charges. It's not just because they have good defense attorneys is because people aren't fucking prepared, man. You know, I mean, this, they can't even know what the bond is. They don't know this. And they, I mean, fucking don't you think as the as a ADA, the prosecutor, before you take the stand in this case and I've, I've billed you with sexual battery, I'm going to make sure that you can testify that sexual battery happened. It never got testified. You can't fault the fucking judge. She's telling, I mean, she's being a fair and impartial judge. I mean, I'm surprised she kept in the NDC behavior, to be honest with you. So she denies that, uh, throws it out. And then, but she, then she turns to the defendant and says, have you been served with a protective order yet? He said, no, I hadn't. And, and she said, well, you're going to get one today. And Bam, hit her gavel. She told her clerk, she said, draw one up, and uh, I want a protective order where he can't have any contact with this female again, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. He's going to be served. And then he's like, man. And uh, and then she said, now on as to the charges of disarming the police officer and resisting by force, she said, I just don't understand what happened here. She said, I'm going to tell you something. She said, this... You are lucky this isn't so much worse. I'm then thinking she's thinking just what Woody Overton was thinking is he should have smoked your fucking ass like a pack of cools. He should have made your sugar turn to shit. He should have fucking melted your ass with lead when you touched his gun. Okay? And because I mean, you only touched his pistol because you were going to take him and fucking kill him with it. You, you, I, I, the pistol gets lost in the dark in the attic. Yeah, you 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 tase you take a taser from a cop after you get get tased. What kind of shit are you on, man? Y'all fucking being tased hurts. And he takes his taser from him and taser was the hey the judge goes off. She said, I, "This you are lucky that this isn't much worse than uh, like it should have been." And I, I'm thinking she, she she's thinking you should your ass could should have got smacked like a poke, uh, pack of cools too. She said, and but for me. She said, for me, these charges of you disarming police officers are more serious than you if, if you were in prison and you escaped. I mean, she, she went off on one of those, but let's go, I got to digress. They, they went through what the bond were on each one of the charges. So the public defender says, this is for the judge starts on y'all, and, and let me back up. The, the public defender says, so your name is such and such, yes, and you're a resident of this parish, yes. Uh, do you own a passport? No. Um, and then she asked her, she said, "Do you, if the judge were to grant you a bond reduction today, could you make could you make the bail? He said, yes. She said, so do you have the money? To, before she asked her, she said, do you have the money to make bail on these charges today? And he said, yes. And she said, you do? And he said, yeah. And uh, he's, But she was talking about the um, inappropriate behavior with the juvenile. And he said, yeah, I got the money. She said, well, then why are we here? She's asking her own client. I'm like, ugh. Shit show, right? Remember, this was fucking going on for like an hour and a half, y'all. And um, this one case, and 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 he, she was like, 
what, uh, who is it that, that, that you've been trying to get your money? And he said, you know, my mama. What's her name? He told her, he said, she's here in the court today? And he said, nope. And, and, and you know, long story short, she, she actually said, well, uh, they added up the rest of the bonds. I think it was like $90,000, y'all. And she said, but can you make the $90,000? He said, no. And he said, uh, how much do you think you can make? He said, mm, 15, 20,000. And, and she's like, thousand? You, you come up 15, 20,000 dollars a day? He said, yeah. And I told you I got, got some money. And, uh, and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm just, and she said, but you can't make it for the full 90,000. He said, no. And, and, you know, anyway, it just it was just so bad on everybody's part. And that's when you know the judge got tired of hearing that shit, and that's when she came back and then she she um, found probable cause for the indecent behavior. She threw out the sexual battery, rightfully so. Then she started ripping his ass. Oh, she got him the um, the restraining order. At the end, she started ripping his ass about the the uh, the other stuff, and then she told him she said uh, to to sum it up, she said. That is more serious to me, you know. You know, it should have been so much worse, and it's more serious to me you touching their weapons than you trying to escape from prison. She said, "I am not reducing any of your bonds, and you're getting served with a protective order today, regardless." And get them out of my courtroom. Boom. So that's a abbreviated version of what the shit show was for an hour and a half. Oh, probably over an hour and a half on one person not on any any one side it was on his defense attorney's side it was on his fault uh, you know i mean they didn't even talk they, they, she didn't know she's there for a bond reduction and i mean she didn't know how much money he had to make bond to make bail and and they don't talk and she's she's going Put shake her finger at him and hand on the hip like a teacher to a two year old. And when when they get they're all scattering to find the bond, and the judges, I mean, I God bless her for having the patience that she did because I'd have, I'd have ripped them all in you asshole if I was a judge. And then the cops not reading their shit and then not even knowing who their one detective was who took the case and losing a sexual battery charge, which that is only fair. Because nobody testified that there was the touching on the skin of the anus or the vagina or the breast. They didn't testify. Said that she didn't testify. She said, as the little girl said, that he he touched my breast and my buttocks. You know, I mean, fucking, you lose cases like this, and 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 the you know, it's just a total shit show. I mean, the the DA should have made sure those officers were prepared on these this series of charges, y'all especially on uh, the sexual battery charge on a kid. I do not take it lightly. I, it makes me sick to my stomach. What makes really makes me sick to my stomach is, the, is this fucking asshole got to walk on that charge. All right, and he's he's probably, honestly, he's going to get to walk on the indecent behavior because he's going to get a real attorney that's going to tear their ass up for interviewing the kid, and they're going to say they led the kid, you know, to saying they're the mama coached the kid, and you do. I mean, you just... Where in the fuck is your training? But why hasn't anybody ever taught you? You never ask the kid questions. You know, you set up, you call a detective out, you set up a, a child advocacy center. Anyway, whatever. I'm gonna get off my high horse. Total shit show. Meanwhile, it's an hour and a half of my life wasted watching their shit show, and in Miss Stephanie and her husband too. And she's like, oh, my God, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how anything ever gets done in court. I'm like, exactly, right? So the wheels of justice turn slow. All right, thankfully, when they march this guy out, the other prosecutor stands up, and, you know, they they had already met y'all. We already knew they were going to continue Burns' case. They called, Miss Stephanie called me out in the hall, the, uh, the DA's victim advocate told her that, you know, Hugo Holland couldn't be there that day because he was in trial in another parish. Whatever. Long story short, all sides agreed to continue it, and they come. So they, they were going to put it on the record, right? So they bring out. They say bring out uh, David Anthony Burns. They bring him out, y'all. And let me tell you something. I don't really wish ill will on anyone. I mean, I don't. I, I don't try to project hatred because I think it takes too much. I mean, I. I I get pissed off, right? And, and, and there's certain people I just don't like and stuff, but I don't just try to continuously hate people. 
uh, even this asshole that uh, I mean, he murdered Courtney Coco and he threatened me and did all this shit. But the I guess it was a couple weeks ago I was in the courtroom when he came in and said they they murdered my physical body. This dude they brought in didn't even look like the other guy. Okay, they bring him in. He's in his fine orange jumpsuit, handcuffed, shackled. He's got a full beard now. He's got the same jailhouse haircut, but it hadn't been kept up, and he looked literally like jail has turned his sugar to shit. He looked bad. I'm like, I'm thinking, man, that motherfucker looks older than me. Then in the, uh, but I told Stephanie uh, and her husband, I said, listen, he comes in. He's going to do one of two things. He's going to come in and he's going to show his ass and, and he's going to, you know, try to say something to y'all or be stupid or he's going to come in and be a little bitch with his head on the floor. Well, guess what? He came in and was a little bitch with his head on the floor. And they brought him in and they sat him down and they get up, the, the two sides uh, stand up in front and they, they say, well, your honor, this is, this is not a clusterfuck. I should, I'm going to say it anyway because it happened. It's a matter of public record. They get up and they say, your honor, we've agreed upon uh, such such date in June to take this matter up. Um, Mr. Holland can be here. This is his assistant. Mr. Holland can be here, and the defense um, needs another attorney appointed to help them on the second-degree murder case. And then Mr. Lecour, who's the defense attorney, said, yeah, Your Honor, we agreed on this date, and uh, I, I am filing you know, to have such and such help me in, uh, in defense of Burns. And the judge looks at him, and the judge says, uh, we don't have court on that date. <laughs> they had the wrong fucking date, y'all. Wrong fucking date. And then they're like, oh, shit. And then they they ended up working it out, right? But, um, so another date said, and that's it. They stand them up and march them out. Hey, there were no statements of, you know, grandeur or whatever. He looked like a little beat-down bitch. And karma's a bitch, right? So, and to the people out there, uh you know, they're in the crew page or whatever or wherever, and you say, oh, I've, y'all, I've got threats from, I'm sure, from some of his lovers or whatever, that, you know, they're going to kill me, they're going to do this to me, whatever. Guess what, motherfuckers? I'm not hard to find, and you better be ready to spring a fucking leak if you're going to try to touch me. So for you haters out there, they say, oh, y'all have already convicted him, we want to see the evidence or whatever. And I no, I hadn't convicted him of shit. But his ass is sitting in parish jail because a jury of his peers true billed his ass for murdering Courtney Coco. So yeah, I get unlike you little pussies who want to threaten me and be keyboard warriors and shit, I my ass will be in the courtroom every time you want to meet me next time he, David Anthony Byrne has a hearing, I'll be in that fucking courthouse. All right. Where were you at? Big ass supporters. And I'll be there all the way through the trial in We'll, we'll let justice come out in the trial. How about that? So that's what I'm going to say about that, and I'll get off that horse. But, y'all, um, I want to thank all you lifers for your support. I really do appreciate you. I know this is a different episode, and I'll, I'll start this other series next week, and it's a really, really good one. It's the death penalty case and, and multiple murders and all that. But, y'all, please continue to like us and share us. And it's just important. We're growing so, so fast. And, and you know, it's because of y'all, and I appreciate it. And patron members, look, I couldn't afford to go back and forth to Alexander for these hearings and, and do these things that I do. I couldn't afford to be absolutely real-life, real crime. The podcast would not be where it is, and when I would not be getting to do the things that I'm doing, working the cases I'm working, et cetera, if it wasn't for your support. And so I will never get tired of telling y'all Thank you for your support. And we also will never get tired of giving you your benefits and reminding you if there's something that we owe you, uh, email Cindy, Cindy at real, C-Y-N-D-I at realliferealcrime.com. So we'll keep up with it. Y'all, I'm on Discord now. It's awesome. I'm going to be on there a lot next week when I'm in Houston uh, for the week. So, you know, it's great to get to see y'all on there and we actually get to video chat and, and stuff. But anyway, thank you to the moves and then, and y'all know who you are and Nathan and, and then for running that for us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Dream team moderators for helping with the page, all our social media, real life, real crime, friends, fans, and crew. That page is over like 34,500 members or something like that. And we have all the regular 
social medias and my Instagram at Real Life Real Crime or at Overton Woody. Anyway, thanks y'all. But let me talk about the Crew Bash real quick. There are not many tickets left, and you better get them. And and y'all, we already sold out once, and the governor lifted the restrictions uh, uh, and added another however many tickets, and we're not far from selling it out, and that's just the truth. We hadn't even been pushing the promotion hard. But that is June 19th, Texas Club. Uh, I'm going to do it's a real-life real crime crew bash at the Texas Club, June 19th. I'm going to take the stage the doors open at 7. I'm going to take the stage probably around 8. I'm going to do a live podcast, never before heard. I'm going to be drinking beer. It's going to be nasty. Uh, sex, murder, the whole nine yards. It's adult only. When I get done, I'm going to hang out and, and meet and greet and take pictures as long as y'all want to do it, okay? And But Chase Tyler Bam, who y'all, he's a two-time Louisiana country – Country Music Hall of Fame inductee, two-time. I don't know how the hell that, that worked, Chase. I, I forgot to ask you that. But he he and the Chase Tyler Band are going to do a concert, okay? And so the Texas Club is built for it. There's not a bad spot in the house. It's built for concerts. The sound's going to be awesome. The light show's going to be awesome. Everything's going to be great, and we're going to rock it. We're going to tear it up. Don't forget to have a um, discounted rate. I'm going to be at the Capitol Hilton uh, downtown Baton Rouge Friday and Saturday night. If you want it, if you're coming in from out of town, we've got lifers coming in from all over the country, y'all. And um, we're all staying there. And you can get a discounted rate when you go to, if you do book it online, you go and check out, uh, use the code RLRC. If you call it in, tell them you're coming in for the real life, real crime. And it's a, it's a big discount. So it's going to rock now. I'm going to tell you about this raffle again. And so we had to redo the raffle tickets. Captain Calvin Duvall, Duvall's Cajun Charters, my buddy from Delacroix, he's got the best fishing charter in the world. I'm just telling you because we went and we kicked ass and he's got the best equipment and everything else. Calvin's, the, I'm going to talk about Lopa too, but the, uh, Calvin is such a huge supporter Captain Duvall, such a huge supporter of Lopa that he donated a, a trip. He called me up and said, Woody, my mama got to live for five more years because someone donated their lungs. She was a double lung transplant recipient. He said, I want to donate a, a guided fishing trip. He said, well, we'll sell it like this. He said, the winner and a, and a guest can come down and fish for the day for free with me and you. He said, I'll do the guiding. You can do the entertaining. They're your fans. And all, you know, all expenses paid. I said, well, you know what? If you're going to spend that kind of money and do it, Real Life Real Crime will step up and get the lodging, okay? And then uh, I'll get down there the night before, and we can hang out, have a beer or whatever, and then we're going to go out early then the next morning fishing. Well, guess what? I go to do a a podcast on local leaders from Jim Chapman's podcast is kicking ass, by the way, Jim. Congratulations on your success. But Cindy and I are doing a podcast, our first one together. And I'm telling Jim about it during the podcast. He's like, oh, man, I want to contribute to that. He said, I want to donate 125-quart Yeti ice chest. He said, those people are going to need an ice chest to bring their fish home in. I'm, I'm like, that's a $600 ice chest. And he said, I, I, he said, I feel strongly about it. I, I would like to donate that, too. I'm like, you know what? At that time, we had already had the uh, raffle tickets. They had just come in. We were just getting ready to sell them. So we had to, Cindy had to go redo the raffle tickets and add the Yeti ice chest to it, y'all. So it's, it, it is thousands of dollars worth of prizes that one person is going to get to win. We're going to sell the tickets $15 a piece or a book of 10 for 100 All proceeds going to LOPA, the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, y'all, LOPA. And we were going to do that. You need not be present to win, but I'm going to get Captain Duvall, Duvall's Cajun Charters, and I'm going to get Jim Chapman of Local Leaders of the Podcast, and he, he's a huge, huge supporter of Real Life Real Crime also on stage, and uh, and we'll get Miss Lori Steele, uh, Lopez representative, to up on the stage that night. We'll draw the winner, and we'll, we'll announce it, that part, live on Facebook at the Crew Bash, and we'll, we'll give the check to Lopez on the stage. How about that? So uh, if you want to win a hell of a fishing trip 
and a hell of a good time and really nice accommodations and get to hang out, drink a beer, go fish, and then go home with a fine-ass ice chest. Um, the fishing, courtesy of the Ball's Cajun Charters, the lodging, courtesy of me, uh, Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast, and the freaking Yeti, uh, courtesy of Jim Chapman and Local Leaders, the podcast. So, y'all, we I'm going to put the number up, and this week I'm gonna get on the phone with um, with Jim Chapman and local of the Local Leaders podcast and uh, Captain Duvall, and we're gonna explain everything again, and that's what we'll give you the number where you can call and buy your tickets. So, it's very important, and I always end with Lopa, and I will end it with Lopa again in a second, but I want to talk real quick. Always, as always, just for Courtney Coco, y'all, we got to stay the fight. I will be at every court date. I will be there at, with, with that family because I promised them I would, okay? I didn't wasn't shit going to get done yesterday, but I, I, I didn't want my Stephanie to have to go in by herself, and so I was there. But on the way there on Sunday on Mother's Day, I, I did an interview with WBRZ Channel 2, Sydney Kearns was an uh, investigative reporter, and I got to talk about Miss Barbara Blunt's case, y'all, in the new podcast, Don't Call It a Cold Case. It is absolutely important now that COVID's re- loosening up its standards. Y'all know I started to work this last year at, at the request of Sheriff Ard. I don't know why WBRZ, though, I, I, I talked about that. They, they cut all that out. But anyway, long story short, it's important that it stays in the news. Uh, already since it's, that broadcast aired, I've gotten some tips, okay? And and so we can do another. We always have hashtag justice for Courtney, but now we're doing hashtag justice for Barbara Blunt, okay? And if you have any information, you can call the tip line. It's 225-395-1302. That's 225-395-1302. Or y'all know, and I, I did get this on the broadcast, uh, on the longer edition of it, which I just posted today, Toby Tomplay and I are starting Don't Call It a Cold Case, the new podcast where we, you look, I get requests from people every single day that are hurting, families are hurting uh, about their loved ones' cold cases. And no, we can't work and solve every one of them, but we certainly can bring attention to them. And then as we go on through them, figure out which ones that I can work, like I'm going to work Miss Barbara Blunts, right? And Toby and I, can do this together, and it's going to have the big show production, y'all. It's it's a it's a, a totally different than real life, real crime, and it's not going to be like working in real time like I was on Courtney's case and Miss Barbara's. I'm going to do the work, put out the information, take the tips, and work it, and, and we'll build these these episodes and series as they go. So it's going to be a hell of a great show. You can again anything. I don't care how big or how small it is on Miss Barbara Blunt. There are no stupid tips, y'all. Call 225-395-1302. You absolutely can remain anonymous. I will not burn you. Or send your uh, message in to don't call it a cold case at gmail.com. All right? And then um, y'all would want to get just for Miss Barbara. Uh, um, her family, man, great people, and and somebody knows what happened, uh, and um, we're not gonna get off of it. I'm, I'm, you know, it's just it's, it's gonna get worked, uh, just like Courtney's was. Okay, so let's let's do it. We use the crowdsourcing. Let's do it together. And I've taken enough of y'all's time. Sorry, I didn't mean to ramble in this episode today. I guess I'm always kind of rambling though, but. Uh, this shit just happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so it was fresh in my mind. And I just think, I mean, I wanted y'all to hear what goes on in the courtroom, I guess. So anyway, be a hero. Give the gift of life. Go to lopa.org. If you are a listener in Russia and you want to sign up, you don't have to be from Louisiana. You can go to lopa.org, click on it, fill out your information, be a hero, give the gift of life. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bye. Peace. Get ready, you're gonna do time.
Crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Template.